The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. Going to Mark chapter 5 today. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. It says that... They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, uh, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, crying out with a loud voice. He said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us in the pigs, to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, and numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned into the sea. And the herdsmen fled and told uh, in the city and the country uh, what had happened. The people came to see. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had been, um, had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those whom had seen him described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. He was getting into the boat. uh, When he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim to him in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. It's the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Here you go. (laughs) Thank you. So, uh... I thought today we would take a break from our journey through the book of Matthew and go one gospel over. I'm living on the edge, man. I tell you what. Um, But in light of today's baptism, baptisms, I wanted to preach a message, a familiar passage, and just celebrate the life-changing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Has he changed anybody's life in this place? So last week, I pointed out that many people have misconceptions about Jesus. 
Some believe that he was just merely a prophet. Some believe he was just a great teacher. Some believe he was just a really moral Jew who was uh, here to teach us, uh, you know, how to live for God. And we were to emulate his lifestyle. But we saw last week from Matthew 14 that Jesus is not just a great teacher. He's not just a great example. But he is the God-man meant to bring us to the Father. Amen? It's a very important doctrine. I'm going to switch out mics here. I'm getting a little bit of... Check one, two, one, two. Is that better? Maybe give me just a little bit less so I can get excited. So today, I want to talk about another misconception, not necessarily about Jesus, but about Christianity as a whole, and that is this. Through the years, I've heard many people assert that Christianity is nothing more than a set of rules. Like that's, that's what they think of when they think of Christianity. It's been reduced to that in many people's minds. I think there's, matter of fact, a, a misconception like that both inside and outside of the church. Have you been to a church where it's all about the rules? Now, to be sure, I'm not suggesting that, you know, in the faith that it's like anything goes like some churches preach. No, there are clear right and wrongs in the Bible, right? But those right and wrongs, I don't think, get to the heart of what Christianity is. I think it's a, a tragic misconception. If you see Christianity as just trying to be a better person, then that's, we, we might call that moralism. And moralism is not Christianity. How many know that our world needs a more accurate view of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are there things that we need to give up for the Lord? Absolutely. But why is that the, so much the focus and I say that because what Jesus gives to us is infinitely greater than what we have to give up. And so let's focus on the good and throw the rules in there, kind of ninja style, right? Kinda. John Piper said this. He said, quote, when I think about what's missing from the average person's picture of Christianity, I want to show them that there's such a freedom that's offered us. Because of what Jesus Christ did to die for our sins in such a sweet reunion with the one for whom we were made, end quote. That's the essence of Christianity. It's, it's good news at the heart, right? And so as we look today at the familiar text, I just hope that we can be reminded of the transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So... Main point, just want to really, really make it clear. Jesus offers hope and transformation, not just rules to live by. Somebody make a t-shirt, all right? So just consider the demoniac in our story. Let's uh, look again at verses 3 through 5. It says that this demoniac lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he'd often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched them apart. He broke the shackles into pieces. So it says that night and day he was in the tombs crying out, cutting himself with stones. What I see first is this, this man was, before meeting Jesus Christ, he was an outcast. An outcast, you know, society didn't know what to do with him. So they just kind of sent him away, right? Hey, you just kind of stay in the tombs, in the caves. 
They wanted to avoid him at all costs. And it's not just the secularists that wanted to avoid him. It's, it was church folk, right? The most religious of the Jewish people had no idea what to do with him. You know, I fear that sometimes there are churches and maybe all of us at times have a tendency to just stay away from the people whom we don't understand. You know, uh, it's one of the reasons I know I'm talking about this every week, but I'm just thrilled that we're part of the, this homeless outreach because these are our people uh, in some ways that are different from us. And, and, you know, we don't know them, we don't know their situation, but you know, sometimes it can be a little bit challenging to, to know what to say, right? But the answer is not to cast them out. It's to do what Ron and the team has done. It's to embrace them and to show them the love of Jesus Christ. There, there are many Christians, I fear, I would say quote-unquote Christians, um, perhaps nominal believers who don't want to deal with the truly broken the outcast and the marginalized. And so they go to kind of country club churches where everybody looks like them and acts like them, kind of come from similar backgrounds, right? They just don't know what to do with people who are not like them. The man was an outcast. Secondly, he was bound. Now, any claustrophobic phobic people in here? Claustrophobic, there you go. Yeah? So I, I've always been a bit claustrophobic, but as I've grown older, um, it sounds like I'm like 89 years old or something, but as I've grown older, but, um, you know, listen, um, I've become more and more claustrophobic. There are times at night, I, I wear a, uh, a chain with a cross on it. I don't want to call it a necklace. I wear a chain with a cross on it that my stepdad got me um, back in like 2004, when I was, uh, became a licensed minister with the Assemblies of God. And uh, so I hold that, that dear to my heart, and I never take it off. It's a reminder of the calling that's on my life. And so, but I will, I've started waking up in the middle of the night occasionally, and I can't get the chain off quick enough. The same thing with my Apple Watch. Like, I can't, uh, that's how claustrophobic I am. And so, yeah, it's, it's a scary thing. Like, and, and I'm ripping shirts off and all this, you know, like at Christmas service, people are going like, you, want, you can wear your pajamas. I said, you don't want me to come to church and what I sleep in. Like, you don't want that, trust me, right? Uh, but, but I'm claustrophobic. I used to love roller coasters. And I, I can't stand them now. And it's not that they frighten me because of the hills and the loops or anything else. You know what it is? I can't stand the, when that bar goes down or comes across your, your chest, the feeling of not being able to get out. This man was bound in chains. Think of that. That would freak me out. Yet he had the strength to, to break the chains, but he, they kept binding him. The, the, maybe, you know, these people who didn't understand him, they, they just kept binding him and binding him, and they, they just couldn't do it anymore. He, he wouldn't stay bound. And, you know, um, even when he would break out of the physical chains, how many know he was still bound by spiritual darkness? So as you walk through the streets and you, you see people who do not know the Lord, understand they might not have chains, literal chains wrapped around them, but they are in chains. Uh, they are slaves to sin. They are bound by the powers of darkness. Now, 
this man had a particular, particularly extreme uh, binding that was on his life. He, he had a legion of demons. So I'm not suggesting that everybody who doesn't know the Lord has a legion of demons living inside of them. So please don't tell somebody that on the street. Well, brother, you don't know the Lord. You've got a legion of demons inside of you. Don't, that's probably not the best evangelistic method. All right? So this was... A bit peculiar. I mean, it, it happens, but a bit rare. And, and, you know, I think about this, and there are some, particularly in our circle, uh, Pentecostal denominations that have sometimes an unhealthy interest in the devil. Like, how many know somebody, there's a devil behind every bush. Like, you know, my, my tire went flash. It was the uh, flat. It's the devil, right? You know, bad hair day. It's the devil. You know, everything's the devil. Like Bobby Boucher's mom. I used that not too long ago. Everything's the devil, Right? Waterboy reference if you don't know who that is. So Second um, Corinthians 2.10, I want to read that because there's that extreme where everybody, you know, there are, there are people who have this unhealthy fascination with, with the devil and spirits and all that. But then there are those who don't talk about it at all. But how many know there's a real adversary, the devil, who goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? So 2 Corinthians 2.10, Paul says, uh, Anyone whom you forgive, I forgive. Indeed, what I've forgiven, if I've forgiven anything, it's been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we are not outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Which means, this tells me, we are supposed to be um, aware of the tactics of the, of the devil, we need to understand how he moves. And by the way, how's he move in 2 Corinthians 2.10? It's unforgiveness. When you hold bitterness uh, against somebody, uh, you are opening yourself up to the enemy. The question that I asked as I was studying this is, why would Satan be concerned with this man? I mean, we, we don't think, we, we don't really hear anything else about him. I don't think he was a man of any prominence or anything like that. Why would Satan be interested with him? Well, I think this could be the case, you know, that Satan hates the triune God. He hates the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. But how many know that the devil has already been defeated? He was defeated at Calvary, right? Yet he has a little bit of power now, and because he cannot destroy God, what's he do? He wants to destroy Everything created in his image. And Genesis 1.27 says that you and I were created in the image of God. Now, because of sin, that image has been tainted. But when we come into the kingdom through Christ, that image is day by day being restored. Paul says in Romans 8 that we are being renewed. Are we being transformed into the image of Christ? In other words, that image is being restored. So... The devil wanted to destroy someone who is created in the image of God. Now, think about this. The man had a legion, not just one. Like, I think that would be bad. But he had a legion of demons. Um, so I was thinking, no wonder he acted the way he did, right? You know, I, I think there's times I was thinking through this, uh, I, just, Lord, how can we apply this to our lives? You know, I think there's times that we're not uh, empathetic enough with people. Uh, we don't sympathize with people. Uh, we need to be more empathic, right? Um, because we don't know why somebody... There, there's always a reason people act the way they, they do. And instead of just sending someone off to the tombs, you know, metaphorically, I hope, um, 
I think that we need to take time to hear their story and understand them. You know, when, when you come in and serve on, at our homeless ministry on Tuesday nights, don't assume why you know they're there. Don't assume they're drug addicts or alcoholics. And even if they are, don't assume that you would never be there if, if you had their same upbringing. Like, you don't know what has shaped their life. And the Bible says this, if any of us think we're above falling, what's he say? Take heed lest we fall. You better be careful by looking at someone whom you don't understand, somebody who you deem crazy, and go, oh, I would never be like that. Don't be so sure. Not only was this man an outcast and bound, but he was hopeless. Verse 5, it said, one, I think one of the most tragic verses in the Bible, night and day on the mountains and in the tombs, he was crying out and cutting himself with stones. Hopeless. You know, it's one thing. Any, any of us can endure something for a season. But when there is no hope, when there's no hope that ever being better in our lives, I mean, that's crushing, is it not? Like you can deal with anything for a season. Like, if, if you can really know it's going to get better, but this man was hopeless. He had at this time, he had, he had no hope for things getting better. He was bound, and as far as he would concern, this was his life from there on. And he was cast away, bound, but he was enslaved by these evil forces. And you know, the only thing he could do was create physical pain by cutting himself to relieve the emotional pain. And, you know, I was a youth pastor for many years, and uh, this was a common story. I'm sure probably every one of you know uh, somebody, maybe even adults who have cut themselves. And you ask them why they do it, and you say, well, it's, it's creating physical pain to, to alleviate mental anguish. And I would just say that there's people all around our community today that are night and day crying out. The, the difference in people today and then is we've learned to be more dignified in our crying out. Haven't we learned to, to mask our pain? So you, you ask people on the side, you know, when, when you meet them in the grocery store or, you know, at work or whatever, and you know they don't know the Lord, and you say, how are you doing? And they can say fine, and they can wear the mask, and they can smile and make you think everything is all right. But night and day on the inside, they are crying out. And they would love to, to be able to, you know, maybe they're not cutting themselves, but they would love to do anything that would alleviate their emotional pain. And some turn to, to liquor and other to drugs and, and, and others to, to a, a slew of, of, of other things that try to feel, uh, to, to mask the pain that they endure day in and day out. The man is an outcast, bound and hopeless. That is, until he encounters the Lord Jesus Christ. If we were to back up one chapter to Mark 4, he tells the story of Jesus calming the wind and waves, showing that Jesus has power over the natural elements, natural realm. We see in our text today, he heals a demoniac, showing that he has power over the supernatural realm. In the latter part of Mark chapter 5, we see that he heals a, an outcast woman with an issue of blood. She'd been sick for 12 years. 
Then he, what's he do? He raises Jairus, his daughter, to life, showing that he has power, yes, over sickness and even death. And you know, the story there of Jairus, and this is, everything's moving to that story here. The story of that girl being raised, it's a, we call it a proto-resurrection. In other words, it's a foretaste of the resurrection that we will all receive one day. Everyone that has gone to be with the Lord, listen, we're not just going to be spirits floating around in, in clouds. The, the day of the Lord is coming, and when that day comes, uh, He is going to restore His good creation. Heaven and earth will overlap like the Garden of Eden. Uh, the, the end story is not about us going to heaven, but it's about heaven coming to earth. And you and I will be given glorified bodies. We'll never endure sickness or pain or loss or sin. And so, Jesus transforms us now. See, let me say this. We look forward to that final resurrection. But what we see in the story is that there is, an, and it's what we see with our the ones who are baptized today, that there is a, in a sense, spiritual resurrection that happens when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? You are already a new creation in Christ. If you are in Christ, you have been brought from death to life. It's a beautiful thing. You know, some people come to the Lord just, Lord, help me with my situation, right? Like, help me with my marriage, my finances, my job, whatever it is, my test. So many people come to God and, and, and they, they want Him to move but what they don't understand is he wants to do so much more than that. He wants to transform your life. He wants to bring you into his kingdom. So I, I look at this story and, and I look at, the, I see the power and the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because not only does he want to save you, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and give you eternal life, but he wants to change your life, deliver you from the bondage of sin he wants to touch your life in so many ways. And the, you know, there's some people that, that think that God has the power to do things like this, to, to cast out demons and to, and, and to answer prayers. But they have somewhat of what we call a deist view or Epicurean view of God that says this, well, God is all powerful. He created the world. But then he kind of went to his own place and he's very uninterested in what's going on here anymore. They believe God's powerful enough to help them, but, but don't believe that he's willing. Other people believe that the Lord is willing, thinks Jesus, yeah, he's a really nice guy, but I'm not so sure that he has the power to help me in this situation. It's like he, he was raised from the dead, you realize? Like, I think he can handle, uh, I tell people all the time, and they come to me, you know, couples will say, oh, I just don't know if God can help me in our marriage. And we got so many things that have happened. I'm like, he parted the Red Sea. Surely he can keep mommy and daddy together. Come on, somebody. There's beauty in all of these stories because what we see in this, the life of this demoniac is we see, number one, that Jesus is willing and also that he's able. And that's good news. Hallelujah. And, and so let me just point out very quickly, and I, I'm going to close very soon, um, some, some really uh, cool things that we ought to celebrate this morning. Number one, Jesus runs towards those whom others run away from. Even the religious folk, remember, run away from this man, cast him away. But Jesus takes the boat right to him. He knows where he's at, no doubt. But Jesus runs to those whom others run from. So some of you have been treated really horribly by religious people in your life. 
I've had people say to me, I've gone to a church and they looked at me and I had tattoos and I was an outcast to them. Are you kidding me? I got a tattoo just to make those people mad. I'm serious. I can't believe I just told that. Some of you are mad at me. I got so sick. Let me just, can I just tell you a story? You got time? I got, I can't tell you how many people have said this over the years, and they use some verse in Leviticus that really has nothing to do with that. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not encouraging you to go get a tattoo today. Like, um, but I got so tired of hearing it, so I said, I'm, I'm going to do this. And so I, I got one, and, and most of you have never seen it, but it does, if I wear a short sleeve shirt, hang. It's an eagle, um, and it hangs kind of right outside of my shirt. And so I was in a coffee shop. Is Trish here this morning? Somebody call and get her here. So, so most of you know Trish, and uh, I was in a coffee shop. And uh, you, if you know Trish, you know, like, she talks to everybody. Like, that's nothing new. So we're sitting back there. It was um, during COVID, so uh, Trish was working from home. Her internet went out, so she went to Purdy's. And I'd never met Trish before. And so we're sitting kind of in a back room, and there's several people in there. Of course, she's talking to everybody. And she comes up to me. She says, hey, do I know you? And I'm like, I think I would remember you. I, I, said, I, don't, I don't think we've met. And uh, fair enough. And, and so she says, well, I, I think I know you. What do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. I mean, maybe you've been to my church and I just don't remember. She goes, no. She goes, you know what? I need God in my life. And she said, where do you pastor? I said, well, I pastor a, a church called Real Life Community Church. And um, she said, oh, she says, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come on Sunday. And I said, you are? People tell me this all the time and they never show up. Oh, I'll be there, Pastor. Yeah, okay. So she goes back and she's working and uh, I'm working. I actually write my sermon and uh, about 45 minutes go by. She goes, hey, I just listened to one of your sermons. I'll for sure be there. I'm like, are you serious? You should be working. Like you're on, all right? And you're listening to my sermon. But uh, so she listens. So she shows up Sunday and she was, uh, she actually met my wife and she asked to be taken back to my office to see me, make sure I was really the pastor here. And she comes in and she had a dress on and it was sleeveless and she was covered in in, in her arms in tattoos. Um, and she, she said to me, I want you to know the reason I felt like I could come to your church. She said, because I saw the tattoo sticking out of your shirt. And she, that's, that's when I knew I'd be accepted. And uh, there you go. So I didn't do it to be cool. I don't think I'm, there's nothing I could do to make myself cool. I'm a nerd uh, through and through. But <laughs> it's not funny. You're up for vote, you know, a can, elder candidacy. I wouldn't say that. But Jesus runs towards other run away from. Listen, I'm sorry for those of you who have experienced legalistic religious people. Um, I struggle with them too. I've had them in every church. And uh, they normally don't stay real long in my church because I, <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, so Luke 5, um, 15, 1 and 2, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. They grumbled and they said, this man eats sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees were appalled, right? Oh, did I just say he eats sinners? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Dina, no. Did I, Matt, is that not exactly what I said like five years ago? Oh, uh, there is a video Matt happened to just record at the right time. Is my face blood red? 
I'm going to lose my job for several reasons today. <laughs> Tattoo, Chris got t- tattoos and said that uh, people, uh, that Jesus eats sinners. Clarification, he does not eat sinners, but he eats with sinners. I'm like, why is this funny? You guys are laughing. I'm like, trying to be serious. Lorinda, so she's leaving. <laughs> so uh, the Pharisees were, were appalled that Jesus would eat with such people, right? But how many know he came to save the wretched sinner? In Luke 7, a, a woman known as the town sinner is refused by the religious elitists, but welcomed by Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus, remember him? He's on the side of the road at Jericho. Remember that? And and he was told by others to leave Jesus alone. Leave the prophet alone. But he's welcomed by Jesus. When blind Bartimaeus called out, listen, Jesus said, come to me. He said, bring him here. And he touched his life. And we could go on and on, but Jesus goes towards those who come against him or that others run away from. Number two, Jesus sets the captive free. I'm just going to read a little uh, verse. As a matter of fact, uh, praise team, you can go ahead and come up. Um, Luke 14, uh, 16 through 20. Jesus quotes from Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim the gospel, to, to um, proclaim liberty to the, pa- uh, to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set liberty, to, uh, to, uh, liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's who the Lord is. He's the fulfillment of this prophecy. And then finally, I'll say he gives hope to the hopeless. This is amazing. So the man who was bound in chains, crazy, out of his mind, in the tombs. Here's what verse 15 says. They, the, the crowds came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had, been, um, had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. The point of my message is to tell you that Jesus transforms lives. Jesus transforms lives. He takes a man bound, uh, a man who was an outcast, a man who was cutting himself, crying out night and day, and he (laughs) transforms his life, sitting now clothed in in his right mind. And here's what the man asked Jesus. He says, listen, can I go with you? See, remember I said that people think Christianity is just a bunch of rules? No. If we tell people who Jesus really is, is people tend to want him. The man's life was changed and he wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, not now. He said, go. And he said, tell what you've seen and what I've done. Christianity. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about freedom. It's about transformation. And can I just say to you, it's not just a demon-possessed man that needs this type of transformation. Every one of us, apart from Christ, is bound. And today, if that's you, if you're watching online, or if you happen to be here this morning, why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? Jesus wants to set you free today. And so many people have this idea that I've got to clean myself up and then I'll come to Jesus. What if the, the, the man with the legion had thought that? What if he thought to himself, you know what? I, I've heard about this Jesus, but, but I need to, to take care of myself. I need to get rid of the legion and then uh, maybe Christ will accept me. It's like, no, we see his hopelessness. 
He's at the mercy of the Lord. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for they shall receive the kingdom of God. What you need to do today, ma'am, or sir, you need to get down on your knees and recognize your depravity and say, Lord, I can't clean myself up because I would have to be perfect if I were to be accepted by you. And Lord, I can't do that. Just ask my spouse. So what you say, you fall at the foot of the cross and you say, oh, Lord Jesus, I know I cannot save myself, but I humbly come before you. I believe in your death and burial and resurrection. I believe that you died for my sins, that you rose from the grave, and I want to repent of my sin, and I want to follow you. And I receive you. I receive your salvation. I receive your transformation. That's what the Lord wants. And this story reminds us that no one is out of his reach. No one is out of his reach. Stand with me. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for your transforming power. Lord, I, I thank you that, that you can use an imperfect person as me, such as me, to, to preach the good news. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for changing our lives. And I pray for the one here that needs his or her life changed. May this be the day of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.